So we're in Matthew chapter 7, and this is part 3 of just this chapter alone. We are in Matthew chapter 7, and we're covering verses 24 through 27. So that means that next week we'll have part 4 with just verses 28 and 29. But I thought it was very important to just kind of isolate this morning's message. And I think that many people would be interested in this morning's topic, you could say, that Jesus covered in the Sermon on the Mount. And the title of this morning's message is, When Storms Strike. When the Storms Strike. Do you guys, um, you guys familiar with storms? Would you like to know how to get through them? Raise your hand if you've not gone through a storm. Yep. They all went down. They all go down, right? We all do. We all do. So let's read these verses, and then we'll get into the message. All right, so Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the, rain, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Father, we come this morning, Lord, singing your praises. As you prepared our hearts before you in worship, Father, we sung to you, we praised you, we gave you worship. And I pray, Lord, we, that we did it knowingly, Lord, with a deliberate effort from our hearts welling up inside of us because of the grace and the love that we have come to know through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, there's none perfect. No, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But your word tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that we would come to you humbly this morning. Lord, seeking to understand your love for us just a little bit more. That we would know how it is that we could go through these storms in life, understand their purpose, and how it is that we could go through victoriously to your glory and it actually be a blessing. And so, Father, we commit this morning into your hands. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would move among us, that he would give us understanding. And, Lord, that I would move out of the way, and you would simply speak through a vessel that's completely surrendered to your will and not mine. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When storms strike, 
When's the last time you faced a storm in life? You might be in the middle of a storm right now. You're thinking, it's not that I've gone through a storm. It's that I'm going through a storm right now. Did you know that God never told his people that they would not go through storms? He did tell them, though, that he would be with them through those storms. It's interesting to me when I turn on the TV and hear a preacher preaching. You know, just claim this storm to be gone and it'll be gone. In the name of Jesus, right? He has the power. And it's like, no, no, he might have a purpose for you going through that storm. Not escaping it, but going through it. If you just have enough faith, it'll escape you. No, actually, there's a lot of stories in the Bible to where they went through the storm. God had a purpose for the storm. But Jesus did tell each and every one of us, those who are his, that he will be with us. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, it says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a promise. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus was encouraging his disciples with these words. He says, you're going to have tribulation. There are going to be issues in your life. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So what kind of storms have you come against? Are you in right now? And in what areas of your life? Specifically, is it finances, marriage, health, family, career, friends, ministry? Yes, even ministry. There's difficulties as you go through each and every one of these. You're going to face them. God doesn't give us explanations of the details of everything that happens to us. But this is what he does give us. He gives us promises and he gives us examples, both good and bad ways, of how to handle life when the storms strike. So Jesus was teaching his disciples not just how to walk uprightly before the Lord, which he was, we've gone through that, not just pointing out that their righteousness is to exceed the outward appearance of righteousness that they saw in the scribes and the Pharisees, not just bringing them to understand that their righteousness can only be found by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but also communicating that a life built on obedience to God's word is a life built on the rock. A life that will never be ripped off its foundation is what he was saying. And a life that is secure in him. And when the storms of life come, that person will not be moved. He will remain steadfast. Now recently... In the United States, we've experienced a few hurricanes, haven't we? It started with Hurricane Harvey, and it hit Texas. We have Hurricane Irma that hit Florida. And then we have Hurricane Jose, right? That is making his way. Is it Jose? I've, like, run out of, like, because we have, yeah, Jose, right? Katia hit Mexico, and it's just all kinds. But we have Jose in still coming up the eastern coast, right? But just tore apart Puerto Rico. 
These hurricanes, they include rain, falling, floods, coming, and wind blowing and beating on houses and other buildings that we have these images of. We've seen images of devastation that these storms have left behind in their wake, areas that are devastated and destroyed. But in the midst of all this destruction, there are buildings. There are some buildings that are left standing. These were some of the buildings that were used as shelters for some of the people that didn't evacuate. And they stayed behind. These were buildings that were built to withstand any storm that came their way. The people inside were assured that they would be safe. And they were. And that is the type of building that I desire, that the Lord desires as He's teaching His disciples. This is the type of building, this structure that is built on the solid foundation of the rock for all of us to build on. That kind of structure. The one that will withstand the storms of life. Doesn't matter how fast these winds come, how much rain falls, how much flooding occurs, they will withstand it all. And so we're going to see that this morning. Now, the one thing that I want to point out to begin with is what the difference was between the two buildings that Jesus is pointing to in these few verses Notice with me that in verses 24 and 26, Jesus said, number one, the hearer and doer of God's word is considered to be wise. Not only hearing, but doing the word of God. That person is considered to be wise. But the hearer and the non-doer, the person who hears but doesn't do what the word says, is considered to be a fool. Now, in a PC culture, to be called a fool, we would say, well, that's not nice. No, no, that's the nicest thing that Jesus could tell his disciples. He's telling them the truth. Hey, listen, you hear and you do, you're wise. You hear and you don't do, you're a fool. Why? Because it's not out of ignorance, it's out of knowledge that you're not doing it. Destruction comes your way. Now, both of these men are given to building a home. Both homes may look the same from the outside, but there is a difference that Jesus is pointing out that is critically important. Critically important. It's a foundation. It's a foundation. We, We look to the rock and its foundation, right? Well, if I simply stand on the foundation, then that's enough. If I simply, like, point to the foundation, then that should be okay, right? If I every once in a while just go to the foundation, would that be okay? Jesus is saying, no. You must secure the home to the foundation. Otherwise, it would be like a mobile home, right? Every once in a while it comes on the rock, but then it kind of goes away. Is is that a secure house? Is it truly built and locked in to the foundation? And the answer is no, right? No. By the way, uh, tornadoes, they go after all the mobile homes. That's what they go after, seems like, right? But no, it wouldn't be. 
Not at all. Both of these homes could look the same, but all the difference is in the foundation that they're locked into. They're immovable. You can't see the foundation. It's hidden. And the only time it will be considered after it is laid is when the rain, the flooding, and the winds come crashing onto the house. That's when it will be tested and proven exactly what foundation the home is built on. At no other time. It could look good on the outside. It could look like it's on a good foundation. But when it's tested, that's when it's proven. Is it on a solid, rocky foundation or a shifty, sandy foundation? Let me tell you that it's better to have your foundation tested now with the storms of life that it may be revealed to you in order to give you an opportunity to build on the solid foundation of God's Word. Rather than find out at Judgment Day, when you're facing the Lord, and at that point, find out and figure out and have a reveal to you that you built on sandy, shifty foundation, and it failed. That's not the time to find out, because at that point, I'm sorry to say, it's too late. There's, at that point, there's no second chance. It's, it, it makes every difference. It matters how you respond to Jesus. Who is Jesus today? Is he your foundation, or is he not? That's going to matter at that in that moment before the Lord on Judgment Day. Proverbs 10.25 says, When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever, eternally. Now, ignorance is one thing, but purposeful and deliberate refusal to act when the thing is known is quite another. And in this case, of course, it is sin. Deliberate neglect of building on, on a solid, sound foundation, foundation is foolish because it leads to destruction. And known destruction. It's like you've been warned. The sign is there. In fact, there's another sign, and there's another sign, and there's another sign before you get to the part where there's destruction. And of course that's foolish. When it could have all been avoided. Now listen. Listen. One thing we need to get straight is obedience, like submitting to the Lord and submitting to His Word. I'm not speaking of perfection. Obedience is not perfection. It's living by faith to the glory of God in the soundness of His Word. Abiding in Christ by the power of the Spirit is living a life that is surrendered to God. Be holy, for I am holy. Live a righteous and upright life before the Lord. That's what we're called to do. We're going to take a look at a, an example of the disciples in a storm. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. 
Let's read together. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They may not have said it that way. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Right? It was probably more like that. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm sure you're familiar with that story. But wait, doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible that if you have enough faith, the Christian will enjoy a life of smooth sailing? It's got got to be somewhere, right? If, If that was the case then I could tell you that a lot of people would very much be Christians and following Jesus for that very thing. Oh, he gives me smooth sailing, like my life would be perfect. You know, the whole salvation thing is one thing, but I just want to follow Christ. I just want to be his disciple so that I could have that sea of glass, right? That's what I want. But that's not the case, is it? I think you've all figured that out, you know. Wait wait a minute. But when Jesus is in the boat with me, when Jesus takes the wheel, doesn't that mean that things will smoothen out? Like they'll get better. No, no, not not at that time either. Did I tell you that God does not explain things to us, the details of those issues many times, the problems that we're going through? But what does he give us to go through those issues? I, I want you to really get this down. He gives us promises. And that should be enough. He gives us promises. What did Jesus tell them? Uh, this is really what they should have faithfully clung to from the very beginning. When the storm struck them, when they were taking on the water, when the wind seemed to be overwhelming them, what is the one thing that he told them? Well, we're going to get to that in a second, but here are some things that they knew. Number one, they knew that they were in God's will. I mean, Jesus told them to leave, to go, and across to the other side, right? So they knew beyond a shadow of doubt that they were in the Lord's will. Number two, they knew 
that Jesus was with them. I mean, Jesus is in the boat. They could see him physically. He was sleeping on the cushion, but he was there, right? Jesus was with them. Just know this. He's as much with you right now than he was with them at that point. Number three, they knew that the storm came. I I know that's obvious, but I mean, the obvious thing when we go through storm is it's a storm. We're in the middle of a storm. I don't like the storm. It's overwhelming, but we're in a storm. That's okay. Number four, they feared for their lives. That's one thing that they knew very well. They feared they would not reach the other side. That's what they feared. They feared for their lives, didn't they? Number five, they also questioned Jesus if he cared. Have you ever gotten to that point? You're in the middle of a storm. You fear not making it to the other side. And you question the Lord. Teacher, do you even care? Lord, do you even care? Where are you? Did Jesus not care that they were in the storm? Does Jesus not know that the boat was flooding and it appeared as if it was going to sink? Did he not know these things? How can you sleep through a storm like that? I mean, on a cushion, just it's overwhelming. And Jesus was awoken by the disciples, fearful, even rebuking him and accusing him of not caring. So what did Jesus do? He woke up when he was shaken, right? I don't know if he was shaken, but I would think that he was shaken. Apparently the shaking of the boat didn't do it, but one of his disciples shaking him, right? Did it. He woke up. And he simply said, peace, be still. It's calm. Everything was calm. That freaked them out. Freaked them out. But then he turned to his disciples and told them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? What will you do when your health fails you? That's a storm, right? What will you do when your finances are short? What will you do when the storms of criticism crash against you? What will you do when the wind of marital issues pick up? What will you do when things don't come easy in ministry, in school, or at work? What will you do? The question to ask is, what was the purpose of the storm? What was the purpose of the storm? The storm. What was it for Jesus? You know, it was it was for him to wake up and for him to calm. It was to reveal their lack of trust in God. That's what it was there for. What did they not trust him in? Did they not call on him in the middle of the storm? Wasn't that the right thing to do? It wasn't that it was the wrong thing to do. It was that they woke him up not 
trusting in the original promise that he had made to them. That's what they were fearing. That's what they were doubting. That's what they were doubting. It's a surrender to God's word, his promises, and a trust or a faith that is sought by the Lord in our lives. That's what Jesus desired for his disciples to, to exhibit in their lives. When Jesus is at peace, even in the storms, it'd be good sometimes just to be still and know that he is God in our lives. Just to know that he is going to get us through the storms, to pray and to seek him, to spend time with him. Because Jesus had already said, let us go across to the other side. He had already said that. He doesn't explain it all, but he does give us promises. That was his promise to his disciples before they even cast the lines and started making their way across. By this he meant that no matter what they encountered on the way, that he would be with them, and they were all going to make it to the other side, even if a storm struck, or it seemed as if they were going to perish. Let's look at an anchored life, though. Turn with me to Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul is in chains. Um, he had already um, appealed to, uh, to Caesar. And they were making preparations for him to go to Rome to be presented before Caesar and to plead his case. And in this time, as they were preparing, the Lord put some things in motion, and at the same time, there was a concern in Paul's heart. When they first started sailing, he was thinking, there's, there's trouble here. There's trouble. And he made it very clear to the guards and to the captain that, he felt like this was not a good idea. Now, here's the thing. As we look through, through this text here in Acts chapter 27, we should never underestimate the value of a godly man or a woman in the midst of a storm. In other words, if you have one of those around, it's a good thing. I, I, I would get drawn close to them because they're a source of encouragement. They'll point you to the right person, Jesus Christ. They'll help you remember those promises that he has already made. That's what that person will do. Paul is a prisoner of Rome and having again appealed to Caesar in chapter 27. Here they left Caesarea, or Caesarea and, and sailed for Rome. He and other prisoners were in this ship. And Roman guards. But they encountered again some serious issues along the way. There was this delay. Verse 7. It says, We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off uh, Nidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Uh, coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. 
the delay. And they set sail, but there was some difficulty. They encountered a, a delay, and it put them dangerously close to the stormy season that Paul knew very well. And so did the sailors. And Paul warned them of the dangers and recommended that they remain in fair havens. But it wasn't a preferable port uh, to winter there, and so they didn't listen to him. And they set sail. And we see this in verses 9 through 12. But let's skip down to verse 13. This is where we see the storm. Verse 13, Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along creek close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. They lost all hope. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Storm. A very real storm. At first, the winds blew gently, is what we see here. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. They went back and they zigzagged. They, they tried they try to make some distance and they just they couldn't. They couldn't. In fact, the storm was so strong that as we read here... What they did was they, we used to call them belly bands. They, they took ropes from one side of the ship and wrapped it around underneath and, and basically tied it up around so that all of this would hold. Like that's how violent this storm was. That's, they feared that this whole ship was going to completely fall apart. They feared running aground. They were tossed violently and fearing to take on too much water. What they did was they, they jettisoned all the cargo. They threw it overboard. It was all gone. They even at some point, with their own hands, took all the gear, all the equipment. If you can imagine everything that they needed for the ship, they threw that overboard too. They wanted to lighten the load because they feared being overtaken by the water. 
And then finally, because the storm did not let up for days. Imagine being in the middle of a storm like this, being violently tossed around for days. After a while, they thought, there's no way we're going to make it. They despaired of life. They themselves said that we have lost all hope. They're, They're done. We're done. This is the end of life. They despaired of life. But then as Paul, now now they're listening to Paul. And Paul gave him this word. He told them exactly what was going to happen. Here's a man that was standing on the promises of God, no? Did he doubt it all? Doesn't sound like it. He's very confident in proclaiming to them the promises of God. And then he gave him a further word of encouragement. Verse 21. Um, as, as we look at that, he says, they, they had been without food, for, right? For a long time. Paul stood up among them and said, Man, you... Hey, I told you so. Is that what he told them? I love Paul because... He's like you and me. Isn't he? He's zealous for the Lord. He's passionate for the Lord. But when it comes right down to it, He's just like you and me. Gabe, I told you so. Yeah, I know, right? That's all right. You just receive it, right? But here here was this word of encouragement. He told him, hey, for this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and, and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Exactly as I have been told. He just stood on God's word. And he says, I believe it. That's it. This is what's going to happen. Period. You have any questions? Go to God's word. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And then he said in a way, has anyone ever told you, hey, cheer up, things could get worse. Has anyone ever told you that? Things could be worse. Well, Paul did say this. Verse 33, As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have, been, that you have continued in suspense and without food. Wow, two weeks. Having taken nothing, therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. Again, standing on the word of God. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. They're like, we're going to be okay. Here, let's throw the rest of the food out. It, it was. It was one of those things to where, like, in a way, Paul was telling them, cheer up, everything will be okay. Uh, well, what happened? Things got worse. Verse 39. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they plan, uh, planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosing the ropes that tied the rudders, Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach, 
But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. We're going to stop there. Did things get worse? They figured on just running what's called soft aground. I'm going to run soft aground on, on the shore, kind of like sometimes when you see a sea dew, you know, just kind of come on the beach, kind of like that. But it didn't happen that way. They got stuck on a reef. Their bow was immovable. It wasn't it, no give whatsoever. They had left the anchors out at sea. There was nothing they could do. That was it. They were done. The ship completely broke apart. And so things got worse. They, it, it didn't get better. Now, again, is Paul in God's will? Yeah. He, he's, he's in his will. Things weren't going that great, though, was it? Were they? They weren't. How about worse? Can they get any worse? Because they all made it to beach, to the beach. They, they made it to the beach. They all made it. All of them. None perished. Right? They're like, oh, we, we made it. They're giving high fives. And they set up, you know, a volleyball court. And they start playing volleyball. And, you know, all is good. Campfire and roasting hot dogs and all of that. No, they didn't do that. But <clears throat> verse 1 of chapter 28. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire, suffered no harm, and suffered no, no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. We... At another time, we'll go through all the details of all of this story, right? Did God have a purpose in this? Things went from bad to worse to worser, right? It's like it kept getting bad, and he was in God's will. How can you let this happen, God? Do you not know that I'm in the middle of a storm? And there you are, laying on that cushion, In the bow of the boat. Where are you? Did he have a purpose for all of this? A man from the island of Malta. Publius had a very ill father. He had a fever and dysentery. That's basically a gastrointestinal bacterial infection. A really bad one. You can imagine that. And when Paul prayed and laid hands on him, he was healed. Many heard of this and came to Paul, and God, through Paul, healed many on the island of Malta. But check this out, verse 10. Verse 10 says, They also honored us greatly, and when we, and when we were about to sail, they put on board 
What did they put on board? Whatever we needed. Whatever we needed. Hmm. You see, God gave them favor through this whole scene and supplied them with all that was needed to make it, where? To the other side. To make it to Rome. Their ship completely is in, is in pieces. It's no good. And here they are, able with everything needed to make it to Rome. Acts chapter 27, verse 24, I remind you, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted to you all those who sail with you. They all made it. All of them. So Paul was right in trusting the Lord, knowing that none would perish. All would reach the other side, just as God had said. After three months, they set sail, and they ended up in Rome. The disciples in Mark were told that they would make it to the other side. They handled things a bit different than Paul did, right? By the way, those disciples, when they got to the other side, guess what they met up with? You know the rest of the story with them? They met with a wild man in gatherings, a demon-possessed man. Wait a minute, Jesus is with us. And now we meet this this man who is demon-possessed. And and cutting is not just a, a something of this day and age that we live in. This man cut himself. This is demonic. The cutting is all to take us away from trusting in the Lord and to looking to him. This is, this is nothing but demonic. Some of the things that, unfortunately, a lot of our teens in, in our culture are given to. But this is what they met up with. And Jesus delivered this man from being demon-possessed. And that's what they met up with on the other side. But the disciples and Paul, they they handled things a bit different. They were both promised a destination. Paul's response was different. His faith was exercised, and we never really see him waver. He stood on the solid promises of God's word. We saw that. This is an anchored life, a life that is built on the solid foundation of God's word. Both heard it, but Paul acted on it. He was a doer of what he had heard. And there was a significant difference in how they handled the storms. And again, I ask you, are you in a storm? Do you feel like giving up? Just like the sailors on board the ship with Paul, you may feel like you're over- overwhelmed, that you're even at some point feeling like, man, I, I almost feel like I'm just despairing and I'm just losing hope. I don't know if I'll make it to the other side. How am I going to get through this one? Let me tell you this. Simple word. Simple word of encouragement. When is the time to quit? You don't. It's always too soon to quit. Always too soon to quit. Don't quit. Just take another step. Keep going. Keep moving forward in faith. If you don't see it, just believe God for His Word. Keep going. Take another step. When His strength and by His Spirit, you can make it. 
Why? Because we're living on His promises, not on His explanations. On the Word of God, not on our emotions or experience, something that we're looking for. It's already there. He's given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's all there. This isn't the end. God isn't done with you yet. You're done when you go home to be with Him. You're not there yet. For now, learn to weather storms with faith in God's Word to His glory, and by the way, also to your benefit. Do not fear. God is with you. Don't give up so easily because it's a discredit to you and it's a dishonor to the Lord. Always remember that. You quit, it's a discredit to you as a child of God, and it's a dishonor to the Lord who gave you the promises. When the storms of life hit, just know this, they are not meant to to destroy you. God's purpose in the middle of the storms is not always clear and less known, and it's sometimes too bad that we can't simply just turn the page and figure out what comes next. But God will bring you through, and He is with you. Besides, what I think is that we're probably better off not knowing what comes on the other page. We're probably better off not knowing. But here are some final things to remember when storms strike. And I'll leave you with this. According to Philippians 1.6, God is faithful to finish the work that He begun in you. According to 1 Timothy 1.12, God is able to guard what He has entrusted to each and every one of you, even in and through suffering. As we trust in God, He's able to give us that peace which surpasses all understanding. By the way, that peace that surpasses all understanding, because we place our trust in the Lord, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. According to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We will never outgrow our trust or our need to trust and have faith in the Lord. We will never outgrow that. Never, 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 never. Stand on his word. Because if you do, when the storms strike, you'll be able to stand with him victoriously and see his strength working on your behalf to his glory, fulfilling a greater purpose and a greater plan in your life. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Oh, Father, our gracious Father, we thank you that in the midst of a storm, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. In fact, it's through those storms that you desire for us to trust and to cling to you that much more. To not run away from you or, or rebuke you even. But to trust you, to have faith in you, to lean on you. And to truly, even in the midst of trials, to enjoy that peace which surpasses all understanding. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, for all of us. Lord, some 
are going through storms right now, I ask, Father, that you would remind them of your promises. Lord, that you will reveal to them your love and your grace, your presence in those times. We are in desperate need of your comfort and that your spirit would be overflowing in our lives. Lord, help us to stand strong on your word, on your promises. Help us to walk in the spirit. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us understand for even the coming storms that you have a purpose for it all. But one day, as we've surrendered our lives to you, Jesus, our Lord, that one day there will be no more storms and we will live in your glory for all eternity. For as the Apostle Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was a, something that was desired far more than remaining here. But for the time being, we each have a purpose and a plan that we are to fulfill. We are your workmanship, Lord. Help us to stay steady and to weather these storms to your glory. We thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name.